I thoroughly enjoy uh, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Bible. But what happens sometimes is I will uh, read a devotional, and there'll be this really neat story about somebody. It's like, oh, it'd be fun to teach on that. But we're in the middle of Jeremiah. And so we finished up Jeremiah two weeks ago. We finished up Lamentations. So we're at a little bit of a break here. What happened was this. Somebody emailed me a Bible question. And they emailed me a Bible question about Asa in Second Chronicles 14, 15, and 16. I love the history books. Absolutely love them. And I thought, wouldn't it be fun to kind of teach on this little topical, if you will, of Asa? But to do it, that means we'd have to start in First Chronicles... And then go through the next 13 chapters of Second Chronicles. And by the time we got to Asa, it would be 2017. And I really didn't want to do that. So we had a break here. It was VBS Wednesday. We were just done with the book. I thought, you know what? We're just going to take a small break. And we're going to do a quick little topical on Asa. And we're going to do Second Chronicles 14, 15, and 16. Now, you may not know a lot about Asa. But I will say this. There's at least two verses in here, what I will call famous Bible verses. One of them is about God running to and fro, looking over the world for people. And there's other ones here, and it's all in the story of Asa. And Asa is one of those good kings. If you look at the history books, be it Kings and Chronicles, you can divide the kings up very simply. There's either a good king or a bad king. Asa was a good king. What made Asa a good king? Let's jump into that and see. Verse 1 of Second Chronicles 14. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place, and his days the land was quiet for ten years. Now that is huge. First off, that should be very eye-opening. Is why did Israel have peace for ten years? Even today, in a, in a world we consider peaceful, how long does a country really go with peace? For Israel to have peace for ten years... Asa must have been doing something right. What was he doing right? Verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. See, and I, when I read a verse like that, this is what I do. When I'm reading through devotions or when I'm reading through something, I see verse 2. My first thing I think of is whatever Asa did, I want to do also. Asa did something right that God saw. What did Asa do? Well, we can look at the list right here. Verse 3. He removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He got rid of any... False worship. First thing he did was cleaned house. Second thing, verse 4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. Two simple points that Asa did that God liked. Verse 3, he cleaned house. Now, I'm assuming if I'd walk into your living room, I would not see altars and idols sitting on your fireplace. But... We all have little things in our life that is a little altar, it's a little idol, and we need to clean house. First thing I thought of when I looked through this and I saw verse 3 is I said, Okay, Lord, what are the sacred pillars, the high places, the wooden images? What are those little idols in my life that need to be knocked down? Number 2, verse 4, what do I need to do? What is my witness? His witness was he commanded Judah, Judah referring to the tribe of Judah, to seek the Lord God of their fathers and observe the law and the commandment. How simple is that? This great, wonderful king got rid of anything bad, and he told people to do good. Do you ever realize how simple the Bible is? You want to be blessed in your walk with the Lord? Get rid of anything bad in your life and tell people to do good. It's that simple. And as he did those things, the Lord blessed him. What else did he do? Verse 6, he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given rest. 
Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. After Asa cleaned house, after Asa commanded people to seek the Lord, verses 6 and 7, he built and fortified places to make them stronger. And I think that's very important, spiritually speaking, is God is telling you and I that sometimes we have weak areas in our life, and I don't need to tell you what your weak areas are, because as soon as I say that, you already know what your weak area is. God is saying, fortify the weak area. If you're taking notes, a wonderful verse, Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. What the writer of Proverbs is saying there is if your spirit is not right with the, with the Lord, you're like a city with no protection. Anything can get in. Have you ever been spiritually in that spot where you have drifted so far from the Lord, so many little things have creeped into your life? Now, I'm not saying big stuff, because we're still too holy to allow the big stuff. But the little compromises, the little things have creeped in, Because the walls surrounding us spiritually are not strong. How do you build your walls up spiritually? We already know the answer. Be in the Word, be in prayer, be in service, witnessing, evangelizing, worship. All those things make the walls around your heart stronger. What did Asa do right? Anything bad in the kingdom, he got rid of. The people in the kingdom, he told them to seek the Lord. The areas around the kingdom, he strengthened, so therefore nothing can creep in. Those three points work for us today. Very simply put, is there something in your life you need to get rid of? Then you need to clean house like Asa did. Do you need to have a stronger witness with your friends, family, co-workers, etc.? Do it. Are there weak areas in your life? Are the spiritual walls of your life starting to crumble? You need to fortify those. We can learn a lot from Asa when it comes to that. Now, we're going to build on Asa a little bit here, but that's the first initial introduction to this guy and he's a pretty good guy here so far. Anybody got any quick questions, comments about anything that we covered here thus far? Okay. Now, this all sounds good on paper. What happens when you run into trouble? Verse 8. Asa has his army, pretty big army, 300,000 from Judah and 280,000 from uh, Benjamin. I'm not great at math, but that's over a half, about a half million men. It's a pretty big army. Well, what happened was this, verse 9, Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Marisha. Now, if you look at that number of million men and you say, okay, that sounds a bit strange, the actual Hebrew is thousands of thousands. We have just translated it a million men. So it literally is saying that this Ethiopian came with thousands of thousands of people. Basically, the Jews were outgunned and outmanned. Now, Asa's done good thus far. Got rid of the bad told people to do good, fortified the cities. What's he going to do when he faces his first real problem? Verse 11, Asa cried out to the Lord as God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help whether we have many or with those who with have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest in you. And in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against us. Verse 11 is amazing. If you are facing a difficult part in life, you're facing a monumental task, that you feel like you can't win, you can't win. Verse 11, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. That's a refrigerator verse. 
God says, or I should say, Asa is saying, God will help you no matter what stop, spot you're in. He'll do it. Now, I've got to give credit where credit's due. I read a great little commentary on this verse, and it was by Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith said in one of his commentaries, and it, and it really hit me because I'm guilty of this. He says, do we really believe that there is nothing too difficult for our Lord? Nothing. Nothing ever too difficult. He goes, analyze your prayer life. And he goes, I'm guilty of this and you're guilty of this. And I looked at it and I said, I am guilty of this to a T. Somebody comes up with you to a very small request. One of you comes up to me after church and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling with this cold. I can't shake this cold I've had for a couple weeks. What do I do? I said, let me pray for you. So I put my hand on you and I said, Lord, just be with Fred over here. He's been battling this cold for a couple weeks. We just pray for health and healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, hope you feel better, Fred. Okay, now someone comes up to me next. Cancer. My prayer changes all of a sudden. My voice changes. Oh, Lord. Cancer. In the name of Jesus, be with this person. And we we change because this is a much bigger problem now. So our prayers need to be more forceful. And our prayers have to be more animated and emotional. But if nothing's too difficult for God, then Chuck Smith said this. Third guy comes up to you. He has no arm. He says, will you pray for my arm to grow back? Our response? Well, why would we pray for that? The Lord will really use you in that capacity as a light and a witness. Chuck Smith says, what's the difference? What's the difference between a cold, cancer, and an arm in the eyes of God? If we truly believe, verse 11, that it is nothing to him, be it big or small, why is it that we as Christians start lacking faith the bigger the problem becomes? And we do that. We do that all the time. I am guilty of that. Asa here says, Lord, I'm facing a million-man army. I have to trust in you, and I pray that you take care of this. And what does the Lord do? Verse 12, so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And then what happened in verses 13, 14, 15, they go and they get the spoils and they win. This amazing victory happened. And what did Asa do? He just prayed. The Ethiopians fled. Why did the Ethiopians fled? They weren't outgunned. They weren't outmanned. They fled because why? Verse 12, the Lord struck them. That is the power of prayer. That's the power of a man of God in faith. That that is an amazing example of what the Lord can do. This guy, Asa, is a pretty amazing guy. Why? Cleaned house. Taught the people the right rules. Built up and protected and fortified those areas that was weak. And when he faced a difficult time, he had faith in the Lord. God sees something good in this guy. He wants to use him. Verse 1 of chapter 15, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azria, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, I love verse 2. Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, don't take verse 2 as some mean, nasty God. This is not the three-year-old saying, I'll play with you only if you play by my rules. This is God basically saying, listen, if you want me, I want you. If you don't want me, then I don't want you. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't want you, that I don't care for you, but God never forces himself on anybody. Somebody out church here years ago made this comment about the Lord, and I never forgot it. They said, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never force himself on anybody. And that's the truth about the Lord. So often I have people come up to me and say, my brother, he needs to know the Lord. Does your brother want to know the Lord? No. There's not a lot we can do about that then. 
We can pray for your brother's heart to be softened. We can pray for your brother to, to have a desire. But to a truth be told, if your friend or, or even you don't want to go deeper in the Lord, nothing we can do about it. God tells Asa here, if you want me, I am there for you. What a beautiful thing it is. See, what happens is this, verse 3, Israel has not had that spiritual leader for a long time. God still had grace with them in verse 4. And then in verse 5, God says, you know what? Peace is so limited. And he tells Asa in verse 7, But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. He's telling Asa here, hang in there. Be good. Don't give up. Now, how many of you here tonight want to give up? We've all been in that position. And it would be a lot easier to not give up if we had a prophet show up at our door and tell us that. Truth be told, we have God's word that tells us this. Once again, if you're struggling, verse 7, But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. What does Asa do when he hears this? Verse 8, when Asa heard these words of the prophets of Obad, of the prophet, he took courage. Guess what he does in verse 8? He goes back and does another house cleaning. Gets rid of more idols. What does he do in verse 9? He gathers everybody together once again to show them that the Lord, his God, was with him. Now, I think verse 8 is important because if you're like me, I saw verse 8. And I said, well, wait a second. Back in chapter 14, he already took care of all the idols. Where did these idols come from? Let me ask you this. Fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, have you ever struggled with something? Let's say what's picked something, struggling with cussing, struggling with lusting, struggling with whatever, losing your temper. Once you lose your temper once, once you lust once, once you cuss once, and you give that over to the Lord in prayer, and you forsake that sin, now will you ever do that again? Sometimes we struggle with the same thing again. I see these idols back in verse 8. I see that these idols are a lot like sin. They just keep popping back in. I think sin is a lot like those whack-a-mole games that you see. Anytime you knock one mole down, another dumb mole pops its head up. And you spend all your life knocking moles down. That's the way it feels as for me as a Christian. Until I die and taste the heavenly gift, there's this constant battle between me and my flesh. And so I need to be like Asa, where I thought I took care of that sin. I got rid of that idol in my life. Next thing you know, here it is a few years later, that idol has popped right back in. Now, how did that happen? Sometimes it happens because I've not fortified the walls. Sometimes it happens because I've become weak. Was Asa becoming a little weak here and God needed to remind him? I don't know. But those little sins will pop back in. And we need to make sure we're diligent as believers to keep the walls in our life strong, the walls in our marriage strong, to not allow anything to sneak in. And when those idols pop in, we pick them up, we throw them out, we get rid of them. No matter how difficult it is. Now this is an important point. I don't care... How difficult it is to let go of that idol. Until you let go of that idea of sin in your life, it will destroy you. It truly will. And everybody has something that's difficult. Asa had something that was difficult too. Verse 16. Also he removed Makkah, the queen mother of Asa the king, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image and crushed and burned it by the brook Kidron. Now, Most people believe that that phrase, mother of Asa, probably refers to grandmother because it's kind of an interchangeable term. Asa was even willing to get rid of his grandma, to remove her. Now, when I say get rid of, remove her, I don't think we're talking physically here, but he removed her from her position. 
because she allowed, verse 16, those obscene images to come into her life. Now, that's difficult. I, I hear it a lot with parents that have a, a, a difficult time with their child. I see it with people that talk about their kids, their grandkids, or their close friends, their co-workers, and they see these things in their life that are problemsome, but they're not willing to take that step of saying, I love this person enough to be difficult with this person. I mean, think about this. Asa is trying to lead a kingdom. Don't you think there were some murmurings? A little bit of, okay, Asa's taking down my idol, but his grandma's sitting there on the throne right beside him, and she's got an idol too. Asa was willing to practice what he preached. And his own grandma, Maka there, her own idols had to be taken care of. I always find it fascinating what names mean. Maka's name means oppression. Her name means oppression. Here in his own house, his own family, his own grandma, there was an oppression because why? Sin was coming in and Asa had to do that. That's difficult. And I tell you, if you're going through a difficult time right now and it's hard for you to take a stand, you can learn a lot from Asa who is willing to take a stand with his own family when it comes to that. So that's chapter 15. Anybody got any quick questions, comments thus far? Yeah, Ryan. So back in the biblical days, days when names actually had a meaning, why would anyone name their child Well, I have five kids. And my third one, my fourth one should probably be named Depression. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I think why would someone name Depression like that? I Sometimes in Bible times, people have had difficult births, and they name their kid a difficult name after that. I mean, Jacob's name meant deceitful, because when he was born, he was grasping the heel. So why was she named oppression? I don't know. Maybe it was one of those God things. Maybe she was a difficult woman to start with from the beginning. Something along that type of line. But that's what the name means, so it's a fascinating thing. So, you know, I, I will say this, and uh, there's a... Um, oh, um... Um, help me here, and I don't mean to pick on anybody to say this, you know, Renee, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if I remember correctly, in Spanish, um, is, it, is it Dolora de Cabeza means headache? Does that sound right? Okay, so do, Dolora means pain, correct? So when you meet somebody named Dolores, her name actually means pain in Spanish, right? So it's, 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 it's I'm not trying to pick, but I'm saying, right? So there, there are certain names that I think in translation don't necessarily... I mean, if I meet somebody named Dolores, I'm not saying, you know, like, wow, you're a pain. I mean, I'm not thinking that. But, you know, there's this that kind of thing that goes on like that. So, um, Anybody else got any other? Yeah, Ron. The report to you before is also at the beginning of 17. Mm-hmm. High places were an idol. It was considered a high place because they put it up on a high spot to get closer to their God. So, like, they would go on a hilltop and make a high place. Yeah, that's kind of what it was just referring there to. Anybody else got anything here before we move on? Now, as always, you hear me say this all the time, if we could stop at chapter 15, it would be absolutely wonderful. But there's chapter 16. Hate to say this with Asa. He did really good. If I remember correctly, Asa reigned for about 30, what was it? I think 40, 41 years. And he did really good for 36 of them. I mean, really good for 36. 36 through 41 was not good. Now, I don't know why 36 through 41 was not good. We could sit here and analyze this, and we could sit there and, and go left and right on it. I think what sometimes happens, I've been walking with the Lord, it'll be 20 years this fall. I think sometimes after you walk with the Lord for a while, you just find yourself not as strong as you used to be. You need to constantly 
recommit. You need to constantly reseek that passion and excitement of, Lord, I want to keep growing in you. And it almost seems to look like here, 36 years into Asa's reign, Asa just started to slip spiritually. King David, same thing happened to him. What do you see here in verse 1 of chapter 16, 36 years? 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and it built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come into Asa, the king of Judah. So you've got to remember this time, Judah and Israel are a split kingdom. So Asa is ruling over the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Well, then you have the northern tribes, and the northern tribes are their own separate kingdom. So what happens here, Basha, king of Israel, is basically coming up and he's building this fortress, if you will. And this fortress is now causing problems. So what did the old Asa do? The old Asa, when faced with the million-man army, he prayed. What does now the old Asa do? Older in life. Verse 2, Asa brought silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and of king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me. Asa steals the money from God to go buy protection of a heathen king. Oh, that's sad. This is the man that stood up to a million-man army and said, Lord, you can defeat this because it doesn't matter if we're big or strong, you will defeat it. 36 years into his reign, he's now being oppressed. Hey, I got an idea. Let's take money from God and let's go buy a heathen king's protection. Boy, that's sad. Have you ever known somebody that's walked with the Lord, walked with the Lord, walked with the Lord, and then all of a sudden they just start to slip? So, what happened was this. Damascus came, Syria came. They saved him. Verse 5, Basha quits building this. Then King Asa has this great victory. Well, what happened so is this. Verse 7, at that time, Hananiah, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria... And I've not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. God reminds him, verse 8, Were the Ethiopians and the Libam not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Don't you think that that would just hit home and hurt? Asa, don't you remember Ethiopians? I stepped in. I took care of them for you. Verse 9. Here's that famous verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now that verse is quoted all the time. I see that on Christian shirts, Christian signs. The context of that verse is not good. The context of that verse is a prophet telling Asa, you screwed up. God is looking for a strong, godly man in Asa. You're not it. In this, verse 9, you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you will have wars. Now, the old Asa, when he was younger, listened to the Lord, got rid of the temples, I mean, got rid of the the false idols, sought the Lord, and, and was a good, godly man. This Asa, when he hears the Lord say this to him, what does he do in verse 10? Asa was angry with the seer, put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this, and Asa oppressed some of the people at the time. This is what I've noticed spiritually speaking. If you go speak truth to someone, they don't want to hear it. And instead of being angry at the sin in their life, they just get angry at you. And then what happens is this, is when they're not right spiritually, they just start getting angry at everybody. I've seen that in my life. If I'm spiritually not where I'm supposed to be, I'm snapping at dawn, I'm snapping at the kids. Because why? I am so upset at the sin in my life, but instead of dealing with it, I take it out on other people. Asa should have repented. Asa should have confessed. But instead, Asa just got angry. 
because he just was wrong. Now, it gets worse, verse 11. Note that the Acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the 39th year, now three years later of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers, and he died the 41st year of his reign. It sure seems to be from verses 12 to 13, the context seems to hint that Asa died because of this whatever foot disease was, which we don't know it was. Now just think about this for a second. For 36 years, this guy would not handle sin. He would not allow false worship. He would not allow idolatry, so much so that he would remove his grandma. This is the guy that when faced with a horrible odds, said, Lord, you will be with us. This is the guy that clearly communicated that we will serve the Lord as a country, as a nation, as people. The last five years of his reign, hey, let's take money from God and let's pay off Syria to protect us. Hey, here's a prophet telling me I'm wrong. Hey, let's take that prophet now and put him in prison. And anybody else that disagrees with me with put in prison. And then, hey, now I'm sick and it looks like I'm going to die, but I'm not going to seek the Lord. I'll seek man. Asa is a beautiful example of seeing how good things can be when you're spiritually right with the Lord, but also how bad things can be when you spiritually get off the Lord. See, when Asa did what was right, go back to verse 2 of chapter 14. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord as God. Look at that verse one more time, verse 2 of chapter 14. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord as God. When Asa did what was right, there was a blessing. I tell you, very simply put, for me, spiritually speaking, this is not deep. If I get in the Word on a regular basis, my life goes better. Now, I don't mean that good things happen necessarily. I'm just saying it just goes better. Things go better with dawn, goes better with kids, goes better at church. There are still difficult times, it is. If I get out of the Word, if I get out of prayer, spiritually speaking, you just feel yourself going downhill. Asa is a wonderful example of doing what is right and seeing that blessing comes out of it. But then in chapter 16, when you get your eyes and focus off the Lord, how difficult things can become. Obviously, the teaching point for us today is which Asa are we going to be? Now, I can be really contradictory here and say, are you going to be the old Asa when everything was good, or are you going to be the old Asa when everything was bad? But you know what I'm talking about. Which Asa are we going to be when it comes to that? David. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if, if you would have uh, disobeyed the Lord at the beginning, and then uh, started obeying and completed his life obeying the Lord? I mean, he would have, uh, yeah, he would have there's a great verse in 1 John where it's talking about false people in the church. And it says they started out with us, but they did not basically end with us. And God basically says that when you look over the time span of a man's life, you will see where that man is at with the Lord. Uh, I think it was Spurgeon had the great comment that a broken clock tells the right time twice a day. And if you only see that clock twice a day, you always will think at the same time, you will always think that clock works. Same thing spiritually speaking. If we only see what is presented to us maybe on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night, we'll look at that person and say, hey, they're spiritually great. Well, how do you know? Every Sunday morning I see them at church. Okay, well, what are they like Tuesday evening? I don't know, but every Sunday morning I see them at church. I don't say that judgmentally. But with Asa, if we just look at chapters 14 and 15, what a great guy. Problem is there's chapter 16. 
And it's the full story of a man's life that's important there. And it's really sad to see that these last five years of Asa's life, there's a lot of things that he could have, should have done differently there. Anybody else got anything here before we close up? Yeah, Rich. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that finish strong, and I think it's also neat because when you were saying that statement, there's also flip sides to Asa. You know, for for an Asa, there's also Nebuchadnezzar. That I don't know how many decades of Nebuchadnezzar's life was spent doing awful, horrible, evil things, but then Nebuchadnezzar at the end gets saved, and that's a beautiful picture of God's grace there too. So it goes both ways. Anybody else got anything here before we close up? All righty. Appreciate you guys coming out. And let's have a word of prayer. And then we'll let you guys go. Heavenly Father, thank you for just this uh, little study in a man's life that you thought was important enough to put in there for a few chapters. Lord, we can learn a lot from him. Lord, help us to be the young Asa, seeking you, trusting you when oppression comes. Lord, not giving up, cleaning house, not allowing the little things to get in. Lord, help us to seek you in all ways and all things. We lift this up in your name. Amen. All righty. You guys have a good week, and God bless.